Good morning, everyone. This morning we are in Exodus 14, and what a great and grand miracle we're about to see. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before Piharoth, and between Migdal and the sea, and you shall camp in front of the Balzaphon opposite it by the sea. So Israel had departed Egypt after the 10th plague. They're headed out, and now God is telling them to camp in front of the sea. Quite an unusual thing, because camping in front of a sea would make them have less routes to go, in a sense, be trapped or encapsulated by the sea that's in front of them. But yet, that's what God told Moses to do with the people. Pharaoh, For Pharaoh will say of the sons of Israel, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So Moses goes ahead and does so, takes Israel to camp them in front of the sea where they'll be trapped. But he's waiting for the Egyptians to come because ultimately the trap is on them. Now, what I think is interesting is in this particular instance, you know, Moses had a lot of questions for God throughout the book of Exodus. It's not recorded here that Moses asked any questions. It says, and they did so. They just went and did and camped in front of the sea. And I, I'm I'm kind of wondering if perhaps Moses did ask questions that he did not record in the in the scripture for us. And I'll let you know why later. I mean, do you think Moses wondered, well, God, what are we going to do if we're camping in front of the sea and we're trapped? I mean, he does kind of make an indication here, God does, that he's going to do something. But Moses doesn't know what he's going to do. Maybe at this point, Moses is learning to trust God after all the plagues that he saw. Uh, I guess we won't know for sure if they had further discussions or whether Moses is recording for us here entirely what the conversation was. But uh, I'll, I'll share with you a perspective in a moment. So when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? They're like, man, we, we're losing our, our, you know, to build up Israel or Egypt and and to serve, basically be his slaves. And he's losing that employment power and he's regretting having made him left because his heart is hard and the Lord has hardened his heart. So he made his chariot ready and he took his people with him and he took 600 select chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea. So here they are now in Israel's trapped. I mean, they're they're camping by the sea and, and Egypt is coming on in. And you know, at this point the Israel Israelites on their own, without God, wouldn't have a chance. I mean, they're not a an established army. They don't have weapons of war. Uh Egypt does. I, I don't think Israel would have would have stood a chance. So as Pharaoh drew near the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. 
So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Isn't that quite remarkable? Now, one thing I've learned about humans is that we will do many times what's easiest for us. We don't necessarily look at the long-term game. We don't necessarily look at the what's best for God. We, what's best for me? And and in in a lot of times we will make immediate decisions based on our comfort, our convenience, and we'll do what is best for us instead of looking at a bigger picture. And you know, it's interesting. I I live. Uh, in, in Wisconsin, and I'm close to a, a forest, and we've been doing a lot of snowshoeing lately. Uh, we got a ton of snow here in Wisconsin, and I mean it's like 18 inches deep, and in some areas it's it's all of that and a little bit more because it might drift. So we have snowshoes, so we go out snowshoeing. But I tell you what, when we're the first ones making the trail uh, with the snowshoes, I mean the snow is going all the way up to the top of your knee. And then you have to lift your foot up and lift it up on top of the snow and then push down. I mean, the snowshoes help, but you still sink in a lot. But after going over it over and over, what happens is, is you start getting the snow compressed and you, you know, the snow's way higher on either side of the trail. But after my wife and I, with both our snowshoes have gone through multiple times, it begins to get packed down as long as the, the drifting snow doesn't fill that spot, which happens quite a bit, but where the snow's not drifting, it'll start to get packed down. And even to the point where in an area where we connect, where a lot of people walk, the trail's pretty packed down and people don't even need snowshoes anymore. They just, they just walk with their shoes on the packed snow. Anyways, what's my point in all this is that it, you know, I've, I've lived by uh, forests and trail systems for, you know, the last five, six years. And I'm always kind of looking out for deer and and in the winter you can see what the deer do because you you can see their tracks. And what's very interesting is the deer will do what's easiest almost all the time. Once we go out there and pack down the snow, they will many times, in fact, sometimes even while we've gone on our hike and then come back, there's deer tracks on the top of where we've walked. So it's this interesting looking at the deer, they will almost do, always do what's easier. They will, if if they can, if there's not, if there's not a threat, they will just, they'll just do what is easy. And I think that's the way that, that mankind is. And here the Egyptians are saying, oh, this is hard. We could face hardship. Let's just go back and be slaves because that seems easier uh, than facing the Egyptians but yet they're going to be slaves their whole life if they aren't courageous and if they don't stick with God. And sometimes the, the, the short-term ease is better than for them thinking about the long-term best or what's best for God. And I think we got to challenge ourselves sometimes to think about what would God want? 
even if it's not easy for me, even if it's not convenient for me, what would God have me do? Verse 13, but Moses said to the people, do not fear, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. I've always loved that verse. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. In this particular case, they weren't going to have to do anything but just watch God fight on their behalf. And, you know, that's the kind of, well, this is something the Lord's telling them, but this is the kind of confidence I think we need to have in the Lord. And sometimes we just got to let the Lord fight our battle. Now, you know, I do believe we got to do what's right and we got to persevere and we got to stick with things. But sometimes um, we just got to trust God. Um, I was thinking about an instance where someone was on social media was, uh, kind of like debating something to do with scripture with me. And I tried explaining to the person one time, you know, the, the, the Bible verse in context. And the person came back and said something like, oh, well, the Bible is written for everyone. It's written for everyone for all time. And so the audience of the context of what was happening in the Bible is irrelevant. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter that Jesus was speaking to Pharisees and, and rebuking them for rejecting him. That has no bearing on how you interpret the passage because you just interpret the passage to everyone for all time's sake. This is what the guy was saying. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's completely wrong. Like he doesn't even understand that you have to look at the Bible in context. But I just didn't even like, debate with him. I didn't come back to him. I just like, you know what? And I don't even care. So I let, I let this guy have the last word. And like anyone who goes and reads that post is, I don't know what they're going to think. They may see that I didn't respond to the guy, but it's like, you know what? I don't need to, I just didn't even feel like I needed to respond. I'm like, you know what? If someone reads that, if they have understanding of the Bible, they're going to know what's going on. They're going to know what's right. And you know what? I, I can just trust God in that. I don't need to, I don't need to fight. And I think sometimes there's a time for fighting, there's a time for arguing, and there's a time for just letting the Lord reveal over time uh, your cause, letting the Lord reveal over time his truth, and just allow the Lord to fight the battle for you. So, you know, pray about that the next time that you have something going on in your life as to whether the Lord wants you to lead, because sometimes there's going to be a time for that, or Pray, discern what the Lord would have to say, and sometimes just let the Lord fight your battle for you. And that's what it says here. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. And, you know, I, I think sometimes if, 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 uh, if you're doing what's right and you're getting persecuted for doing what's right, I think sometimes you don't have to defend yourself. Just, just, just let it be. And let the Lord fight for you. So then verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on the dry land. And this is what I was referring to earlier about what conversation Moses and and the Lord had prior. Because the Lord said, Moses, why are you crying out to me? Why are you even, why are you praying to me right now? It's as though to me, 
God had already informed him, Moses, I'm going to split that sea. You're going to take your staff, and that's please that that sea is going to be split. And and if he did tell him that before, it would make a lot of sense that now they're at the sea, and he's like, "Why are you crying, Moses? I told you what to do. You know, tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch it over your hand, over the sea, and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land." What an incredible thing. What an amazing miracle. And when you think of Passover and being saved by the blood of the Lamb, this is all this grand miracle of Passover and God, you know, freeing Israel from Egypt and parting the sea. And let's see what else happens here. As for me, God says, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen, Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and horsemen. Interesting, I'm just seeing this now. It does seem like this is a repeat of a conversation they had earlier because listen to what it said in verse 4. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after them and I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And that's exactly what he said here, only this time... He's saying that I'm going to split the sea. I wonder if he told him last time. It it almost appears like it to me. But anyways, the angel of God, verse 19, who had been going before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud moved before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel, and there was the cloud along with the darkness, yet it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night. So Somehow this cloud of fire and at night was in between Egypt and Israel, which paused Egypt's attack on Israel. Uh, Another amazing miracle of God. You can see why Egypt stopped because they're like, we've seen God do so much, so many plagues. And now they see this pillar of fire cloud at night and they, they don't continue their attack at that moment on the Israelites. So then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, so the waters were divided. So this appears to be happening over the course of the night, that it wasn't like an instant, like, you know, 10-second miracle. It was like God created this wall of water to form up on either side, and it may even have taken some time over the course of the night to develop uh, in order for that dry ground to appear, which would be really dramatic, you know, Uh, when you're seeing something happen and you're waiting for the fullness of it happen versus it like happening just instantly. Had to be very dramatic to watch this happen. Then the sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Then the Egyptians took up the pursuit, and all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. God's delivering Israel, and and this is going to help protect them when they get out into the desert, because who knows, Pharaoh's heart could be hardened, and he could have, you know, came after them in the desert. So now God's destroying their army, and it's going to greatly turn Egypt back and allow Israel to be saved out in the desert. At morning watch, do you see? So at morning watch, this is actually still in the dark. When you're watching for morning, 
That means it's close to the morning, but it's not there yet. At morning wash, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve, and he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, Let us flee from Israel, for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots, and over their horsemen. It's really interesting that God chose to use Moses to do these miracles. I mean, it's God's doing, but he's using Moses' staff and using Moses as a representative for the miracle. And as we'll see as we close this chapter shortly, that I think God's wanting Moses to be their leader and God's wanting them to honor their leader and to see that they should listen to their leader. So he's promoting Moses before them, showing his power, God's power, through Moses. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them. Not even one of them remained. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land, hallelujah, through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Then the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And listen to this. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power, and what a mighty power they've seen now in the last, I actually don't know how long, maybe a couple of months, and then in in particular today, uh, through the Passover lamb and now through the parting of the sea, when Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So I was referring to earlier about how God is elevating his leader amongst them. But they feared the Lord, Yare, in the Hebrew, Y-A-R-E, transliteration. And it, it means to fear, to be afraid, to revere, to have awe, to have respect. I believe that's one of the greatest characteristics of the believer today is to have a fear, awe, respect, and reverence for the Lord and for the word of the Lord. And Israel's beginning to get it. But yet, when they get out into that desert and their comfort is, um, you know, when they're not comforted right away, when they don't have what they need, food and water, and their stomachs are grumbling uh, right away, they're going to think about, again, what's easier instead of, about what's best. It's just what what people do. But hallelujah, they feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. And may we have a proper reverence and fear of God and his word and believe in him. And may that strengthen our resolve to live for him when it's easy and more importantly, even when it's hard. God bless you all.